Welcome to Up Close and Empowered with host Sana Johns. Over the next hour, you'll hear from Sana and her guests on how you can become more empowered through life's most challenging situations. Sana's journey through her own transformation has inspired her to awaken you to your divine power. Hi, everyone. This is Sana Johns with Up Close and Empowered. Thank you so much for joining me this week for another episode. And my intention today is to awaken you to your true power as it is all the time, because I believe that we are all more powerful than we really realize. So today we are going to have a very powerful conversation with a special guest who specializes in attachment styles as it relates to relationships. And we're going to talk a lot about this in depth. And I find this really interesting as you know, uh, she and I were just talking a few minutes ago. It's not really, it's now in the mainstream of therapy and coaching, but it hasn't been so much in the past. And I feel like the more we know about ourselves, the more we can show up for ourselves and show up for others. So we're going to talk about different attachment styles, uh, how we develop them, where they came from, how they impact our relationships, how um, maybe what some of the characteristics are of those attachment styles, what to look out for. And then we're also going to talk about healing, starting to heal and work on those styles so that we can create fulfilling, loving, authentic relationships. So I have a great guest today, and she is an expert in this area. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. And uh, her name is Rose Vigiano, and she's going to be talking in detail about these attachment styles and also about the deep family systems that more or less created I should say, or how we were influenced by these systems, you know, growing up. So this is going to be very interesting. Rose was motivated by her own experience with insecure attachment wounds. This is what led her to the repercussions of being in dysfunctional relationships and realizing that this was something that she had to heal. So this became a powerful motivated, motivator for her, recognizing the impact that these experiences had in her own life. And her mission now is to help people build secure, passionate, and deeply connected relationships. Now, through her method, which is awakening relationships, she combines top-down psycho, 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 psycho education, education, education tools. <laughs> I should have got that straight before we did the show, uh, tools with okay. bottom-up somatic practices to support her clients toward building secure functioning partnerships and healing their own secure attachment patterns. It's all about the patterns, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, she is a master-level relationship coach with many, many accolades, possibly too many to mention, but I'm going to mention a few, and then I do have her bio listed on my Voice America page, and you can check it out because she really does have uh, quite a quite a list here. But she is a master-level relationship coach. She has a specialty in attachment uh a certified DARE practitioner, which is dynamic attachment repatterning experience. She holds certificates in mindfulness-based stress reduction, CBT, which we all know is most of us cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, compassionate inquire, inquiry, which I'm not even familiar with, so I'm going to learn some things today, and many others, like I said. She does therapy for couples, and she is trained extensively. Uh, she has trained extensively with leaders in the healing and couples world that many of you will know the names. So Dr. Terry Levy, uh, Gabe Armate, Terry Real, and many, many others. So she does have quite a bit of experience in this area, and she lived it. Like, she actually was self-aware enough and got to a point, and we'll hear her story in a minute, where she knew that she had to, to heal this part of her life so that she could actually 
have a more fulfilling life of authenticity and feeling whole, I'm sure. So let's bring her on the show. Rose Vigiano, thank you so much for being here today. And hey, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. How fun, how fun to be here and to talk about such an important topic. And I'm so grateful for everyone who's listening and who's joining us. Just a wonderful experience. Yes, it's great to have you. And uh, I think that we're really going to learn some great information today because I as I mentioned early, not many people know about attachment styles, but I think as you start to tell them a little bit about it, it's going to go, there's going to be a little ding, 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 like, oh, wow, that's me. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's, you know, so we'll be able to really identify with it. But first, before we dive into the different attachment styles, tell us a little bit about how you got started and what really brought you to this point of specializing in this area. Yeah, great question. So, I, you know, you in your intro you talked about how like my own path got me here and i don't know if i ever would have gotten here if not for basically hitting like the lowest low when it came to my own relationships and my own past um my briefly my story is that i grew up in the 70s um my parents got divorced when i was three which was not that common at the time so right away i sort of feel a little bit different but my father left and i never saw him again and my mother god bless her and uh she is resting in peace right now um she really struggled she struggled with herself um with her own past with various um addictions and because of that, the way I grew up, um, it was like, you had to walk on eggshells in my house. You know, I never knew what my, what was going to happen with my mom. It's like one day she was like nice and loving. And the next day she was furious and angry and I couldn't do anything right. And, um, you know, I have a lot of experiences that I, you know, throughout my childhood, but for instance, one time we went on a beautiful vacation and in the middle of the vacation, she got angry at me and left me there at 10 years old um, to find my way back to the hotel on my own. And then, you know, so then I was then um, in a position where my primary attachment figure, whose biological job it is, biologically, my um my system wants to attach to a primary caregiver but then um that caregiver was dangerous and so i was sort of in a double bind where part of me was going towards her and part of me needed to protect myself from her and that creates like a disorganization or a confusion for a child and then that confusion um continues with you throughout your life and actually this situation where you have a caregiver that's like can't be trusted or is dangerous in some way um that's really where you have attachment root in trauma and more disorganized attachment mm -hmm. but lucky for me when you have that it shows up in both anxious and avoidant patterns throughout your life so then what happens is i start in romantic relationships and basically the story is i either attach to people who can't commit to me or I run from people who want to commit and want uh, a safe relationship with me. And that comes all the way to the point where I am also 
um, older and meet someone and get engaged and, and get, you know, we're about to have a child. And I sort of realized that the person that I'm attached to here is very similar to my mother. Mm -hmm. And I end up moving all the way across the country from my home that I've been in for, you know, three and a half decades of Manhattan. I move all the way across the country to a small town in California to basically chase him because the worst thing in the world, of course, to me is that I would be a single mom like my mother was because I think of all the pain that I had during that. And sure enough, a year after our daughter is born, the relationship is over and sort of my worst fears come true which is here I am raising this child. And now I'm, you know, 3000 miles away from everyone I know and I love. And what am I going to do? And I hit kind of a rock bottom. Now, the good news is that I had been working on myself for a decade already. You know, I had been through my own challenges with addiction. I had gotten sober. You know, at this point, I'm 10 years sober. I had been working on myself. I had been training. I had been working with others helping them. And so I already had this really great foundation of, you know, learning to swim when the boat was sinking, basically, you know, really like, like, like not letting it take you out. And so I, but I really crashed, you know, I really crashed here, here, I had this, you know, one and a half year old in the other room, I was in a strange place. And I was like, what do I do? You know, what do I right. do? How am I going to support myself? How am I going to raise this child? And shortly after that, he left the state and moved on and, you know, lived his life. That was sort of part of the challenge is that I was chasing this person again who couldn't, you know, couldn't really step in, couldn't okay. commit. Right. Yeah. And so that, that launched me once it was sort of like the darkest 90 days of my life. And then I like started to feel better and I started to get this sense of like, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to be okay. Like maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. Like I can raise this child. I can have a career. I can live a good life here. And it was like, I, I started to really challenge all the thoughts of like, you're never going to find love again. Your life is over. Who's going to want to be with you? All that stuff. And I basically started to heal and grow. And in that growth, I found attachment theory and attachment healing. And I started to see how it was my earliest childhood experiences that had set me on the path to choosing this relationship and having a child in this way. And I am forever grateful, I just want to say, to my, to my daughter's father for bringing this child into the world. And we have an amazing daughter. And, um, you know, and that I need, if I was going to make changes, I needed to heal what had come before. And so I have been doing that for the last 10 years plus. Mm -hmm. And in that healing journey, I said to myself, well, I am uniquely positioned to help others in this way, because I'm not one of those people that's going to say, I've been happily married for, you know, 40 years and I'm going to show you how I did it. I'm one of those people that's going to say, I have had the most dysfunctional, toxic, painful relationships you could imagine, done the craziest things, 
And I don't anymore. And actually now, and I'm not saying being in a secure relationship, which I am today is the goal because it's not, I would be a completely changed person if it was just me. But I have this bonus of having a partner who's like amazing and Mm -hmm. safe and secure and trusting and committed and loves me. And I've changed so much that I've been willing to pick that. I've been willing to pick a person like that. And that just shows me the power of what's possible and is really why I do this. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. And and what I'm hearing from that is the power in, you know, you could easily say you could blame it on him, but you didn't. It's almost like you were you were led to look back and heal earlier wounds because you made the choice to be with them, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, right? So you made that choice. It really doesn't have to do with our partners per se. We have to take some responsibility. What led us to that point? And so that's why I think this is, you know, very profound because, you know, you had gone way back to really heal those earlier wounds. And the fact that you had this epiphany, which is kind of what it sounds like, you almost like, you know, it was almost like a refresh of, well, wait a minute, this, maybe this isn't so bad. And you kind of started to rethink it. And I, I also think it was part of that growth that you've kind of been working on for a long time. But I mean, the beauty is, is that you realize it wasn't really so much him. It, it led you to, to learn a lot about yourself and heal things way before he even got in your life. Just like many of us, we get in these relationships and we're so upset, but we also have to take responsibility. Totally. And I, I completely agree with you 100%. And I did go through a period of time where I was like cursing his name. You know, oh, yeah. I definitely went right. through a period of time where do. I was like, <laughs> I'm the victim. Yeah. Yep, yep. Look at look at me. And then I came to exactly what you said. I came to the point where one day, uh, you know, a, a mentor of mine said to me, you know, Rose, I get it. And guess what? You picked him. And I was like, oh, and it just that was one of those moments that everything broke open. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer in like, if you're the problem, there's no solution. But if I'm the problem, there's a solution because I can't control you, but I can control me. And so it was sort of that moment where I was like, wow, I could just keep picking people like him and like us, not just him, because it was the way I was in reaction to him and him in reaction to me. It wasn't just who we both are. We're both good people. But the negative cycle that we were trapped in, there was no, there was no work. It was it wasn't workable. So I had mm-hmm. to change. So I wouldn't step in there. And just like a moment of success to say, as we're sort of weaving this all together, a couple of days ago, my current partner brought something to my attention that I do um, that he said, you know, I think you do this thing. And it was about um, not being as supportive with him as he thought was actually helpful in a relationship. And so good on him. And my response was, you know, I do do that. You're right. Let me look at why I do that and what that's doing to us and to me. And I tell you, this is the first time in my life, almost 50 years old. I've been teaching this stuff for 10 years. It's the first time in my life in a relationship someone could call me out and I could say, you're right. That's me to own. And I'm going to work on that. I love that. Well, first of all, it's growth. It's maturity for sure. And how how great is it that he kind of brought that to your attention? How mature yeah. of him to bring that I to know. your attention and say, hey, look at, and then for you to not be 
defensive, which many people would get. But that's, as you know, that's the growth that we, you know, we go through. We don't react as much anymore. That's when we know we're really growing, when we actually step back and go, well, wait a minute, maybe I do do that. You know, thanks for letting me know. Thanks for making me aware of that. And imagine how many relationships would thrive if we could just look at it that way, instead of being so reactive and just like what you did is a perfect example. So, oh, I love I mean, that. Yeah, that's secure functioning. You know, this is, these are the things that I teach, secure functioning and building up your own secure, secure attachment so that you can make those choices in relationship and you're not so reactive. Right, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's crucial. Well, I, and we're going to start a break here in just a minute. So after the break, I want to talk about the different styles, the different attachment styles, and get into them a little bit deeper because I know that some people yep. may be able to really relate with some of the things. And I need to get refreshed on some of this because I find it all very, very interesting. And I have some specific questions too that a few people have asked me to ask on the show, which you know I'd, I'd love to hear your responses and, and I know they would too. So for those of you listening, uh, thanks for listening to the show. We are going to take a, a break here in just a second. And behind the break, we're going to dive deeper into the intricacies of attachment styles and, you know, where you are in that, uh, I guess, what do you call it? In spectrum. The, in the spectrum. Yeah. And where we might be able to heal some things or at the very least be really self-aware. You know, that's the first step is being self-aware of some of these things and then we can start to heal them. Right? Yeah. Okay. 100%. All right. All right. Great. So we'll be back right after this short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to awaken your true power? Become more confident and self-assured to take on life's challenges? As an empowerment coach, Sana offers an eight-week transformational program for those who are ready to step into their authenticity, stop people-pleasing, and live a life of more love, vibrancy, and inner peace. Discover your inner power, learn to love yourself, and experience more connection and fulfillment to thrive in all areas of your life. Book a complimentary call at www.saunalife.com to find out how. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. If you're in leadership or a business owner, it's important to show your team that you care by providing healthy ways to help them stay happy, motivated, and to avoid burnout because their well-being directly impacts their productivity and ultimately profitability. Book Sana to speak or do a powerful interactive workshop to help your team shift from stress, chaos, and disconnection to handling the day's challenges with more ease, clarity, and direction. Her strengths are navigating through difficult situations and creating a positive environment so everyone can thrive. Find out more at saunalife.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Welcome back to Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns. Have a question for Sana or a guest? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Rose Vigiano, uh, expert in attachment styles, and we're going to dive right in and talk about those different attachment styles now. So, Rose, can you give us a like a somewhat of a brief overview of each of those styles, and then I'm going to probably ask you a few questions that were emailed into me and DM to me, so that we can kind of you know see which ones fit into where. Can Can you do that for us? Definitely, definitely. Right. So uh, we basically are dealing with four attachment styles, secure, anxious, or ambivalent, avoidant, and disorganized. Now, most of us have met like a few people who seem securely attached. And usually when you get to know them, they like flow easily between connection and alone time. They're sort of generally optimistic. They're okay if they're in and out of a relationship. They're trusting. They're able to reach out for support and offer support. And their radar for danger is pretty functional. It's not like they're over, they they think that everything is dangerous and it's not like they think nothing is dangerous. Like they're pretty balanced, right? And when they're in relationship, they're they're playful, they laugh, they're, they can repair, they can apologize, they can say when they've done something wrong, sort of like what I was able to do the other day. Um, you know, they don't play games, they're straightforward, they tell you about themselves, they're honest about themselves. And that's because they mostly came from caregivers that were consistent, that were generally trusting, that, you know, they knew they were loved, the communication was clear and predictable. And like parents were being parents, they didn't have to manage up, they didn't have to take care of an immature parent, they could be a child. So those people, which, you know, researchers say is generally about 50% of the population, I feel like it's a little less, end up with more secure attachment. Okay, so does that that make sense for the yeah? So that one's so that one's which one? That's secure for people joining right now. Yeah, so that's secure attachment, and and a lot of times what happens is people that have um, natural secure attachment, which means in their childhood they had these responsive caregivers, their caregivers were attuned to them. Um, they, uh, were able to be themselves in childhood that those people grow up and they generally get married and they stay married. And so if you're dating a little bit later in life, a lot of times those people are already taken, you know, because they partner up and they're okay with being in partnerships. Yeah. And then they kind of stay there Mm -hmm. unless there's something that gets in the way, you know, then you have other Um, they have three other styles. So one that we hear a lot about, of course, is anxious and avoidant, because um, those are the main ones other than secure. So anxious folks, um, most of us grew up in an interesting, uh, well, they're they're all sort of interesting to me, but this interesting scenario where um, the love of the parents was sort of intermittent. So like sometimes they were loving and attuned to you and sometimes they were like shut down and not there for you. And so because of that intermittent love from a care, from your main caregivers, the child becomes almost like anxious or desperate for love because they don't know when it's going to go away again. 
they have like a panic about when is it going to go away? Does that make sense? It makes, well, it makes total sense to me. <laughs> I don't know about to the listeners, but it makes total sense to me because I'm very familiar. Yes. Yes. Uh, and okay. you, you don't feel safe. I mean, you don't know. It's very right. inconsistent. So it's intermittent. And if you think about it, there's many adult relationships that are doing the same thing. Well, and, and we're, we'll bring that in right now, which is that when we grow up in an inconsistent environment and we are an adult and we meet someone who is inconsistent, that person is going to feel like home to us. And so we are going to naturally be drawn to people who are inconsistent and potentially avoid uh, connection because we grew, because our whole job as as children was to get love. And so what happens is the attachment system for people that turn into like anxious ambivalent types that, that we, it's like, we can't even digest the love when it comes because we're so used to wanting more and craving and being scared it's going to go away. So when you look at adult relationships, you see people with anxious attachment as needing a lot of reassurance, needing a lot of closeness, having a lot of having trouble going from closeness to independence, mm-hmm. getting filled with fear when um, there's a trip or a separation or something like that. Um, they, you know, it's hard for them to take in love from a partner. So you might hear them say, like, yeah, but like, oh, yeah, they did that for me, but they didn't do this. Or mm-hmm. yeah, they showed me they love me that one day, but what about the next three days? So it's hard to take it in because as children, if we really took the love in, that was the precursor for it going away. Right, so right. It, you know, it's like, it's scary to do that. So I have a question though, regarding yeah. this real quick. So so let's say it's an abusive, somewhat abusive, and not even talking physically, it could be physically, but let's say it's just an emotionally abusive parent when they're young. And, you know, at times that parent is okay. And at times they're not. And again, that child kind of doesn't, you know, is not used to the consistency. So is this the type of attachment that they would get from being in that type? I mean, generally speaking, I mean, obviously there are variables, but. Sure. Sure. So um, and I talked about this a little earlier when I was telling someone about my story. Um, you would see more emotional abuse turning into like more of a disorganized attachment. Now, why this is familiar to folks that ha- had emotional abuse as a child is because disorganized attachment is pretty much shows up as a mixture of anxious and avoidant. So both the characteristics of anxious attachment and avoidant attachment you, if you have more disorganized, which I had a lot of, and most of us with insecure attachment have at least a pocket of, you show up with a lot of these anxious traits. Mm. And you might also show up with avoidant traits because once someone starts to get close, then you become, you withdraw, you become more avoidant because you're so afraid of that connection. Because as a child for disorganized folks, that connection meant pain. Right. Wow. So when you have an emotionally um, abusive parent uh, or a parent that you have to fear or an addicted parent or just, you know, a parent that has their own trauma, that -hmm. is their own unresolved trauma, even sometimes they are not doing anything to you, but they have so much unresolved pain that you just take it on as a child. Mm -hmm. You know, you're sharing the same environment. Yeah. And you just Mm -hmm. become disorganized. And so- 
when you grow up that way as an adult, you feel very confused in relationships. You know, you might be easily startled. You would have the anxious and avoidant patterns. You might not be present. You're sort of, even your language with someone who has a lot of disorganized attachment, they might be talking to you in the present tense. Then they go into past tense. You're not sure who they're talking about. You know, there are a lot of signs of that sort of confusion. It's hard to set boundaries in relationships, which is also anxious right there. Mm-hmm. Because if we're mm-hmm. afraid to lose someone, if we're de- anxious attachment is, I'm desperately afraid to lose you. Please don't leave me. Mm-hmm. And so why would I want to set a boundary if that boundary meant you were going to go? And so right. I sacrifice my- myself with anxious attachment and disorganized attachment. And isn't there a correlation there with codependent type behavior as well? Like, Sure. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, in co- in codependent behavior, codependency, initially, it was a recovery term. And codependency was all about the reaction to being in relationship to an addict or an alcoholic. Right. So when you are grow up with addiction, or you're in a marriage with addiction, you will become sort of impacted by that by then becoming the master caretaker by trying right. to fix trying to solve. So they have uh, anxious attachment and codependency are very similar. They're not exactly the same thing, but they they can look very, very much alike. Right. Like where they don't want to hurt somebody or they don't want to upset somebody. So they'll like, you know, they're like, they they shut down because they don't want to hurt somebody. So that's a little bit, that's where I kind of just thought of codependency right now. Yeah, with that. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's, they can, they can definitely be interchangeable in, in, in various circumstances. And, you know, when you do, when you are in a relationship with an addict, you know, that can very much bump up your attachment style. Um, So let's say you, you know, attachment is on a spectrum. Most of us have more than one style. I never met anyone that's just secure or Mm -hmm. just anxious. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like, okay, 50% secure and, you know, 30% anxious and 10% avoidant, 10% disorganized. So it's it's really like a spectrum. And mm-hmm. then based on who you're in relationship with is who is what's going to come out the most. Right. So it's very reactionary. Right. And, you know, this brings up a really good question. I was told that sometimes you can be a pretty much secure. I mean, obviously you say we have different traits about this, but let's say sure. we're a secure attachment and we're with somebody that's avoidant it can actually bring out some anxiousness in us. Yeah. Yes, it can. And, and it kind of goes, it could go a couple of ways. So, um, when you're talking about, and then we'll, we'll also talk about the avoidant adaptation, but when, when you're in a relationship, um, a primary relationship, or you have a go-to person in your life who is more severe, one, one way, uh, anxious or avoidant or disorganized, Um, that person can draw the opposite attachment style out in you. However, what can also happen is if you have enough security in yourself and they are working on their insecure attachment, being with you as a secure person can actually draws them towards healing. Yeah. So, you know, if you can find someone secure to be in a relationship with and you struggle with insecure attachment, it's like you hit the jackpot. Great you're probably going to become more secure. And the research will say in about two years, it takes about two years for you to become securely attached with that person. However, if you are not working on yourself and you're just going, you know, um, all the way into your insecure attachment patterns, you're much more likely to draw that person out of secure. Yeah, that is 
like that is such a great point. And it's so important because it gives people hope that at least if they're on the path, okay, I always use that term, sorry, but if they're on the path of working on themselves and maybe they're not quite where you are, if you work together, you can blend and actually grow together. But if that person isn't really in that growth mindset at all or on the path, then it's not. But what you just said is very hopeful, I think, so that people that realize that if you're doing the work and maybe you're not as far along as somebody else, it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know what I mean? You can grow together and love is a very powerful thing. 100%. Definitely. And, and I, you know, I always say like love heals. Yes. And, you know, punishment doesn't, but love heals. So, um, you know, it, the, the best way to heal your attachment style is to be in an intimate relationship with someone who is also working on becoming secure and who's willing to create a secure functioning relationship. And you can create a secure functioning relationship, even if you're not securely attached. Right. And that way we're not looking for perfection. You know what I mean? We get out of the perfection mode. And then right. people can realize, I mean, you know, the people that stay, and we might be going off track here for a second, but it's okay because this is stuff that I know people want to know. Like they're in a relationship and they won't leave and they they know that that person is not on the path and not trying at all, but yet they stay. Yeah. I mean, that, you know? I think we've we've all kind of been there for shorter or longer periods of time, those of us that, that struggle. And, and I think it could be for a few reasons. Um, for someone with anxious attachment or disorganized, it's so painful, like loss and separation is so painful yeah. that, you know, anxious attachment, a, a big quality of it is that we accept the crumbs, you know, we're willing to take the crumbs in a relationship. And, you know, with someone who is, you know, more avoidant, what happens with them is their attachment system is really shut off because they did not receive enough um, attention or nurturing as a child, they were left alone too much. And because of that, as a child, those people reach out for connection and it's not there. So the only way they can survive is by literally turning off their desire for connection. It doesn't mean they don't have it, but they've gotten completely disconnected from it. So as adults, they're hyper independent, individualized, they don't know their own needs, they can't express their feelings. It's hard for them to connect to others. It's hard for them to stay in, you know, to make commitments and stay in committed relationships. And they look for perfection, like you're talking about, right? And they idealize other relationships, because the one they're in is painful, because usually the other person is asking them to connect. And they can't because connection is so painful for them because in their history, it meant abandonment. Right. And so, you know, the avoidant adapted person is suffering just as much as the anxious one. It's like, it's very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Like we think avoidant folks just, they don't care, but it's not that they don't care or they don't want connection. They do, but it's just been hidden by this survival mechanism. Sure. It's like they're guarded, right? They're just so guarded, but they can heal. They can, they can move through this, right? I mean, there is hope to kind of reopen your heart again. Definitely. Well, I mean, there's, I've seen beyond, beyond miracles. I mean, hundreds of cases of people um, coming out of insecure attachment, building secure relationships, being able to love and feel loved, being able to feel connected, couples that 
are able to mend how they treat each other, how they work with each other. Anxious avoidant couples are the most common next to secure, secure. Mm-hmm. they're more drawn to each other than any other attachment styles. And so the the anxious person has to learn how to self-regulate a little bit more, how to help themselves handle themselves a little more. And the avoidant person needs to learn how to come towards a little more. So it's like they they find a balance with each other. Neither right. of them get exactly what they want, but they heal towards each other. Right. Yeah, and and in in a like you were mentioning, you know, in abusive relationships or da- or or uh, dysfunctional relationships, that's not happening. But the desire, the thought is that maybe it will one day, and it's sort of the great mm-hmm. obsession of every person in a toxic relationship that maybe one day this will be different. Right. But usually, and someone has to leave. What comes to mind is even like a strict parent, like a, an overly strict, rigid parent, or maybe with strong religious backgrounds. You know, I see that a lot and how that can affect, mm. um, you know, young adults even to really open up. So what have you seen in that? And we're going to take a break in a second, but I think we still have a few, few, se- oh, well, we better, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that right off the break, <laughs> after the break. Of course, I always go in different directions because I love, I just love diving into this stuff. It is so, and you are you are so good at this. I'm so glad you're on my show right now. And I'm hoping everybody is getting as much out of this as I am. And this is exactly why I do the show is to raise awareness so that everybody can learn to grow and, uh, you know, be on the path, right, to a more fulfilling life. So we're going to take a short break. This is the last break. We'll be right back in a few minutes. And then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, how we can heal through some of these things and what it takes to be in a secure, fulfilling, loving relationship. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're in leadership or a business owner, it's important to show your team that you care by providing healthy ways to help them stay happy, motivated, and to avoid burnout because their well-being directly impacts their productivity and ultimately profitability. Book Sana to speak or do a powerful interactive workshop to help your team shift from stress, chaos, and disconnection to handling the day's challenges with more ease, clarity, and direction. Her strengths are navigating through difficult situations and creating a positive environment so everyone can thrive. Find out more at SanaLife.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready to awaken your true power? Become more confident and self-assured to take on life's challenges? As an empowerment coach, Sana offers an eight-week transformational program for those who are ready to step into their authenticity, stop people-pleasing, and live a life of more love, vibrancy, and inner peace. Discover your inner power, learn to love yourself, and experience more connection and fulfillment to thrive in all areas of your life. Book a complimentary call at www.saunalife.com to find out how. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Welcome back to Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns. Have a question for Sana or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Hi, welcome back to the show, Up Close and Empowered. I'm Sana Johns and I'm with uh, Rose Vigiano today and we're talking about secure attachments. And she just ran through the attachment styles, but for those that are just listening, we're just going to run through them really quickly and dive a little deeper. And then I have some questions that I'm going to ask her that uh, may help some of you listening. So Rose, just quickly, what are the attachment styles again? Okay. So, so the four attachment styles, the first one is secure. And those folks are generally trusting. They flow easy in and out of connection. They have a good balance between alone time and relationship time. They're generally optimistic. They're trusting. They can ask for help. Then you have folks that are more anxious. And for them, it's really hard to settle without someone else to regulate them. They're really focused on if somebody likes them, if someone's going to stay. They're very scared of abandonment. It's hard for them to let love in because they're really afraid of a relationship ending. And then you have folks who are uh, run more avoidant. And those folks are going to be like really self-reliant. They have a hard time knowing their own needs or expressing feelings. They might build walls to create distance. If you ask them a question, they're going to respond like with one word or two words. Like they're just going to, it's like just the facts, ma'am. Whereas <laughs> an anxious person wants to tell you the whole story from start to finish and they want all that connection and contact and avoidance. Like, okay, let me just give it to you and like, let's move on. And um, then you have disorganized attachment, which has its roots in trauma. And as adults, we can tend to be kind of fearful of relationships. We might have both anxious and avoidant traits, or we might be one more one or the other. We might have certain patterns that seem confusing, like sudden, like one minute we're angry and then the next minute we're sad or we're easily triggered or alarmed. Um, and that also comes from having a childhood that had that where there were um, aspects to it that were fearful. So that's a dysfunctional. That's the disorganization. Disor yeah, yeah. Disorganized. Yes. Interesting. And, and, and I'll just say that attachment isn't only about caregivers, although that's what we're focusing on. Your attachment style can also come out of the fact that you maybe you grew up in a war zone or with ra racism or mm -hmm. uh, gender um, issues or you weren't accepted because of a, a you grew up in a strong religious environment or in in um, poverty. Like these are all things that also impact our uh, the way that we attach in relationships as adults. Good point. Really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. And also a heartbreak. Like if a young kid goes through a heartbreak, that can be that can be traumatic, right? For a teen. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually tell you my my experience and opinion on that, which is that it will, yes, for sure it will be painful. However, if that teen comes from a secure home, where they have emotional support, attunement, where they trust their parents where or caregivers, where there's somebody they can go to and where some adult is watching what's happening to them and is mindful of that and supporting them, they will heal through that heartbreak and they will still be securely attached as an adult. Now, that heartbreak comes with someone who has no one to go to, who learned that they shouldn't, they should push their feelings down, who learned it wasn't safe to go to a caregiver, where the caregiver was inconsistent, maybe they would be there or they weren't. Mm -hmm. That 
that teen is probably going to exhibit certain PTSD symptoms throughout their lives when it comes to relationships. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. That's, that's, that's important to know too. Okay. So I, I have a question regarding people that jump from relationship to relationship. So what type of attachment uh, style would that fall into, or it may be a few people that just, you know, they got to be in a relationship and if it doesn't work, they got to be, or they got to be dating. They, they jump, they jump, they jump to kind of fill that void. So I, again, I know there's a lot of generalities here, sure. but just, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, right away, when you first said it, actually jump from relationship to relationship, I thought avoidant. Now, this is a little bit of a surprise because the reason I said avoidant is because a lot of times with avoidant attachment, they are really interested in getting into a relationship in the beginning. But then once the relationship starts to develop and their partner starts to require from them more emotional mm -hmm. intimacy, they find a reason to end the relationship or withdraw and then they leave. And then maybe they'll start another one or they'll have one night stands. Now, when you then went on to say the person has to be in a relationship, this to me speaks more of anxious attachment mm -hmm. because the anxious attachment is where we're really, we're desiring that relationship. We're craving that relationship. Like we don't feel okay unless we're in a relationship. And that's more along the lines of anxious attachment. So great question. It could actually be both depending on the situation. Yeah, that's a really good explanation and to see it two different ways. And then what about uh, neediness? Like you know, people that are with somebody that just always want their their time and their attention and just almost where it's just like exhausting. What yeah. where would that fall? I mean, that's that is like classic anxious attachment behavior. And like mm -hmm. I said, if you have disorganized attachment, some or a lot, you can exhibit both traits. So we'll just talk anxious and avoidant and often anxious is called ambivalent. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called ambivalent because it's like, on the one hand, I want your love, but on the other hand, I'm like scared that it'll go away. So I kind of push it away. Right. right. So when you're talking about anxious and that, that you're talking about like a suffocation of the other person being so needy that you basically suffocate them. And what you end up doing is pushing them away. Exactly. And so with anxious attachment, you actually get the, the opposite of what mm -hmm. you really want. You want that connection, but you end up pushing them away. And so that's why one of the healing techniques for anxious attachment is learning the right balance of togetherness and also being able to be alone and being able to satisfy your own needs either by yourself or with other people. So would that be in the boundaries area then? Like if you were working with a couple or a group, because I know you work with groups, you work with couples, would that be something that you would bring to the table at that point as far as like setting boundaries so that they're not so dependent? Like if it's usually one's more dependent than the other, obviously it's one sure. that's really dependent. So just give us you know, the listeners, an idea of just, I mean, some of the things that you could do to help that type of situation or where they would start. Yes. So every situation is different. And mm -hmm. yes, I work with individuals. I work with couples. I do have a secure attachment group. I do dating workshops. I see it all. Um, I would generally start with it with an individual or, or, or when I'm just dealing with an individual, I would start with them learning to add more to their life. So learning to regulate and fulfill themselves 
on their own or with other things outside of the relationship as a start. And this is assuming that they're asking for more than just healthy needs to be met. Now, sometimes people are just simply have their their healthy needs, but the other person is so avoidant that they're not even meeting those basic needs. And in that case, and especially like with couples that I work with, it's really about the avoidant working on themselves and learning to come towards and to start to satisfy some of those very healthy, um, common, normal needs that anyone would have. Right. Right. And sometimes those people aren't even avoidant. Some people just, you know how some people you can't fill their cup, like it's just, it's never ending. And I think that, like you said, those people are just, there was something that led them to be that needy and where they need that attention. And it's just, it's almost like a revolving door, you know? Right. Right. And, and with those really highly anxious people, uh, Mm -hmm. they have to do that self-work. Yep. You know, they have to find those ways to self-regulate, to build up the other areas of their lives, their their hobbies, their friendships, their passions, so that they're not just focused on the partner. Right. No, I agree. Excellent information. It's so important that everybody has their own autonomy, even though they're working together. I mean, we need to have our own uh, our own independent our own independence. And so, are those some of the things that you focus on? I mean, tell us some of the things that you do focus on with these attachment styles. Does it vary from each one? I mean, is it mainly uh, like you said, regulate uh, emotional regulation, self regulation? Yeah. Well, I would say that there's there's sort of two things that are helpful. So the first thing, and like you talked about in the beginning is when I call it top down, which is sort of like brain work, mind work, you can do Mm -hmm. behavior. So the first thing is to kind of learn about what does it look like to be in a secure functioning relationship. So regardless of your attachment style, you can learn these tools. And these are tools like active listening. So how to, instead of saying, you know, you got home late and, you know, that's how I know you don't love me. Instead of that, being able to say, hey, honey, you know, can we talk for a second? You know, I'm noticing that when you come home late, I make up this story in my head that it means you don't love me. And then I feel really sad. Can we talk about like what to do about this? Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. a much more inviting way. So learning school uh, tools like active listening, how to respond to your partner's reasonable needs, attuning to them, being playful, learning to repair is a huge one. Um, You know, secure functioning couples repair when there's a misattunement. Hey, you know what? I realize I snapped at you. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to take a five minute break next time I get anxious. And then the other person says, okay, great. Yeah, that upset me, but I accept it. So you accept, you give the repair, you accept it, secure functioning. Then the other part is really the healing of the past. What are the past wounds and scenarios that have impacted me to the point where I am now in reaction to those and showing up with this insecure attachment style? And those traumas or past wounds, in my experience, and the way that I do it live in the body, they are somatic, they are body memories, even things you don't have conscious memories of you have implicit or body memories of those things happening to you. So you say, well, my parents were got into terrible fights, and then they divorced when I was two. And so I don't remember any of that. Yes, but you experienced it. And it still rests in your body. And that needs to be healed. And there are a number of 
inner child practices, somatic work, visualizations that I do with individuals and couples that go back and heal that. So that's a big part in my experience of healing attachment wounds. Right. I also want, because we're running, we're running low on time here. I wish we had another half hour. Oh my gosh. Uh, how can people reach out to you? Because I know you said you had a free, a free download that was really informational. So uh, everybody listen to how you can get in touch with Rose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a free download on how to uh, dating blueprint on how to date securely. And then um, the ultimate guide to understanding attachment styles as well. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at awakening relationships. If you are on Facebook, you can do the same. If not come to my website, which is rosevigiano.com and you can download it there. You can also shoot me a message and I'm happy to send it your way. Okay. So Awakening Relationships is the Instagram handle. You can direct message her to get the download. You can go to her website. And uh, Rose, tell us why, why you do what you do. Like, what is the real, like, you know, what really fills you up about doing this work? Because I know you're so, like, you are so good at this, like really good at this. This has been a great show, but why do you do it? I think I do it because, you know, I come from a place of just being so desperate about love and relationships. And I've been able to, through all this work, get to a place where I really am like joyous and I feel connected and I have so much love in my life. And I just want that for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I know that everyone on this planet, pretty much everyone, has the ability to heal their attachment wounds and learn how to show up securely in relationships. And I really believe that to be true. And I feel like, you know, part of like a big part of my mission on this planet is to transmit that message and to be, be here as a resource for people to do that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this information. It's it's really been insightful. And I know that uh, our listeners, you know, I have people that listen to these shows over and over. I mean, I get feedback all the time, so I can't wait to get the feedback from this show. But it's really been a, a really, really great show. And thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank all of my listeners for your loyalty and, and supporting me. And please join me next week. Uh, we're getting a little closer to Valentine's. We have the Love Coach. It's a little bit more on dating. So I'm doing a lot of relationship uh, type episodes this month. But I just want to thank all of you guys for being here. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns. We hope that after listening today, it's inspired you to discover and cultivate your true inner power and consciously create your life. Tune in next week for another impactful episode.